The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Every time a missile misses its target, a train derails, or a faulty airbag fails to save a life, we wonder whether these failures, which can sometimes reach catastrophic proportions, are caused by a counterfeit part that may have infiltrated the supply chain. Welcome to People to People, working together for your safety with host Stan Salat, Jr. Stan has the answers to your questions on protecting yourself and the safety of your loved ones, including your pets. Don't miss out. Now, here is Stan Salat. Hello, and welcome to People to People, working together for your safety. My name is Stan Salat. I'm your host today, and I'd like to welcome you to today's show, The Cost of Counterfeit, $6 billion and counting. Today's show is made possible by our sponsors, BQPM LLC and Secure Components. BQPM is a business and quality consulting company, business and quality management consulting company, providing consulting and training services. Secure Components, independent distributor, the first in the world to be certified to the AS6081 counterfeit avoidance, counterfeit mitigation, uh, SAE standard. For more information on our work in the counterfeit avoidance world, you can find us at uh, www.counterfeitavoidance.org. And for the hazardous substance-free work that we do, the Rojas and Toxic-Free World, you can can find us there at www.hsf.us. Our show today is divided into three segments. In the first two segments, my special guest, Mr. Keith Gregory, and I will be discussing the impact and cost of counterfeit parts and materials in the U.S. military supply chain and other areas. Uh, Keith is is really quite an expert in this area, and will uh, you'll find that uh, he he's got some things that'll. Well, it actually gave me goosebumps when he and I were talking. So I'll leave it up to you to to understand what that means uh, as we talk through this today. Counterfeit materials really have become an issue that can no longer be ignored in favor of being able to purchase what appears to be an authentic product at a a low price. So with that all said, uh, I do want to mention Keith Gregory uh, is with the law firm SW Law, and you can find them at www.swlaw.com. With that said, as I said, Keith is a a well-known, well-respected lawyer. He's got a bio that goes on quite a bit. He's a partner at Snell & Wilmer, 
in Los Angeles, practices law in general business matters, and rather than me trying to figure out how to go through all of the different things, I'm actually going to welcome Keith to the show and ask him to give us a little bit of background on the law firm and, and what he's been doing. So, Keith, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. Nice to uh, thank you for uh, inviting me to to be part of it today. I'm looking forward to it. Well, it's an honor to have you with us, Keith. I know you've been doing some fantastic work in this area, and I'm, I'm, I know the audience or audience is uh, going to enjoy hearing about that. If you don't mind, take a couple of minutes and uh, kind of give us a feel, give the audience a feel for what it is that uh, S&W does and how you play a part in that. Um, Stan, I joined Snell & Wilmer about two years ago, and um, when I joined it, I was really looking for a place where I can go that would allow my clients, particularly those in the semiconductor semiconductor industry and along the supply chain, the, the component supply chain, um, to be able to utilize a team of lawyers um, who could provide legal advice on a whole different set of areas, not just having to do with mitigating the counterfeit parts problem, but also with respect to customs and government contracting, um, intellectual property, and general business issues. And one of the true benefits of Snell and Wilmer is that we have nine offices throughout four states in the Southwest, and we've been able to put together quite a team of lawyers in all those different areas that I already mentioned. And um, the clients that I already had before joining Snell and Wilmer and those that we've brought in since I joined Snell and Wilmer have all been able to benefit from those services. Um, I've been personally working within this space for the last 13 years. Um, when, when I was first contacted by, it was my former CPA, who had decided to become an independent distributor and leave the CPA business. He called me one day and asked me if um, I might be able to help a member of a trade association that he belonged to that was in Germany that was owed money by a company in Irvine, California. And I was then practicing in Orange, California, so I was able to do it. Mm -hmm. um, at the time... I didn't know the difference between a diode or, and a transistor. <laughs> oh, I, the, that, one, that one is, um, yes, I, I can remember those days. And, and really, what, what was interesting to me as I, got, as I became more and more familiar with people in the industry was at least at that time, um, most of the people who were selling parts didn't really know the difference between them either. <laughs> they could have just as easily been selling real estate as far as it w they were concerned. But over the last five, six, seven years, because uh -huh. of this counterfeit parts problem, right. um, the people in the industry have begun taking it much more seriously. Independent distributors that I work with have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in test equipment and in employees that they utilize to assist them in preventing counterfeit parts from entering the supply chain. Keith, if I could, you bring up an interesting point. Because 
And like yourself, I've been at this for a while, and I've actually been in the electronics industry since before even then. Yes, I didn't mention it, but uh, back in the late 70s is when I got involved with it after leaving the military. So it's been a while. We were dealing with, like, TV tubes, right? (laughs) Yes, you're right. I was dealing – I'm an analog engineer that learned how to do this thing called digital. Okay. Well, there you go. So, so yes, my my background started out with analog and and tubes, and I, I was in the front end of transistors, and even in the front end of semiconductors. Um, I had the opportunity, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I my one of my first jobs was with a team of MIT grads, uh, and we were trying to invent a telephone on a single IC chip. So that kind of both dates me and tells you that. Uh, uh, telephones that are single chip, as we know them today, cell phones, uh, haven't really been around that long. No. So, No, but, my children what? are amazed by when I tell them that my children are 23 and 20, and when, they, when I first told them that I didn't have cell phones when I was a kid, they were like, really? <laughs> it's kind of, kind of like our parents telling us they didn't have one of the first cars. Exactly. Uh, Yes. What I was what I was going to to comment on is independent distributors. In today's world, I hear over and over again how I don't want to say unimportant, but maybe how risky they are and they shouldn't be the primary source for parts. That particularly with what we're about to talk about in counterfeit there are some that profess that we should just stop buying from independent distributors. Well, I would, what I would tell you is that I think that if you were to ask most independent distributors, Mm -hmm. um, the source from which people should first look to, they would probably agree with those people that the first persons that, that someone should look to to buy apart from is a is the original chip manufacturer or an authorized distributor right but quite often they don't have the part anymore and it's the independent distributor who because of their uh, business acumen and their sophistication of the in the marketplace they understand that there's a need for them them and and in their role as independent distributors and the independent distributors that i work with and i work with a lot of them have all uh i think with somewhat hopefully with my guidance have um developed best practices to to make sure that they're protecting their customers as much if not more, than authorized distributors do. Um, I sit on the AS6081G19 committee, mm-hmm. which has been um, involved in establishing standards that um, independent distributors need to follow in order to promote counterfeit parts mitigation. And right. I can tell you, there are a lot of independent distributors on that committee. Yes, there are. And those members, those independent distributor members, they sometimes take what 
would be considered much stricter approaches in dealing with parts and attempting right. to promote counterfeit parts mitigation mm-hmm. than any of their authorized distributor colleagues because uh, they because they get it. Yes. They see it. They see it on a daily basis. And right. um you know there's there's a a big difference from buying a part from an independent distributor who has basically their own test lab in their facility and really know how to use it right. than from an independent distributor who's working out of their garage that's that you know you just you just struck a chord with me because that that's part of the reality of this and I'm sure you've seen it probably more than I have but there's levels of independent distributors and your comment about the the uh, trusted supplier, the franchise supplier, the trustworthy supplier, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and I know there are various uh, words being used out there, but you, you are also making a point, which I hadn't really nailed down before, but the independent distributor, if you agree with this, would even have more of a need and reason for making sure what they're doing. Their, their business basically, I assume, depends on them doing it right. Absolutely. Um, they, you know, they go in with a, they go into any deal with an incredible disadvantage. All right. Because they, they go in as an independent distributor. And there's this long, I, and I believe, incorrect perception about them that they're just out for themselves. And right. they don't take the time to really understand what they're selling. Well, that's changed. Okay. That's dramatically changed, especially you know. Yeah, I've I'm uh, I've been involved in the last few years in two different cases where two of my clients, both of whom are independent distributors, um, were the subject of either a suspension proceeding or a debarment proceeding um, through the United States government. One with the Air Force and one with uh, the DLA. All right, and. In both of those cases, we were able to establish that those two entities were responsible suppliers, so that the uh, both the suspension and the debarment were lifted, and uh, they they were able to continue to do business, um, and and hopefully continue to grow their business, but. We were able to show through by by offering facts supporting the factors that are set forth in the DFAR ninety four oh six about what uh-huh. makes up a responsible supplier and what factors the government needs to look at in deciding whether or not a suspension or debarment should proceed. Right. Um, we were able to show that these companies are good companies. They're doing a service for the government. There were mistakes made, but at this point in time, they, they're responsible suppliers. So they're doing what they need to do. And, and again, you know, in, in my own career, I spent time in manufacturing, and you definitely had franchise dealers who, you know, we bought our Intel parts from and our Texas Instrument parts and whatever other parts we needed, whether they were foreign or domestic. But basically, it's just a distribution channel of the original 
component manufacturer, the original equipment manufacturer. Um, and I do remember going to distributors occasionally. The ones that were truly good distributors always gave me more service. Well, sure. Uh, but you know what? I, I'd like to just um, hopefully, and I don't want to correct something that you said. Okay. But I'd no, like please. to change people's use of a word. Okay. And, and that word is franchise distributors. Okay. Because um, franchise, to me as a lawyer, has a certain connotation. Um, when I think of a franchise, I think of an, a business that has a franchisor and a franchisee that's regulated oh. by a state. Okay. Um, for an example, a McDonald's is a franchise, right. typically. Right. Yeah. But these companies that are distributors that have been have entered into a contract with an original chip manufacturer to sell their products, I would rather call them an authorized distributor rather than okay. a franchise distributor. That doesn't mean that an independent distributor should be called a non-authorized distributor. I think they should still be called, called an independent distributor. Right. But I don't think the word franchise, I think that people could get into trouble. Companies that are authorized distributors and the chip manufacturers themselves could get into really serious problems with the state in which they're doing business. If they call if themselves a franchise. franchise. Because yeah. all of a sudden they might be perceived as operating an illegal franchise. You know, I, I <laughs> and please, I appreciate being, uh, and I don't call this corrected, but I, I appreciate you drawing our attention to it because, quite frankly, I have always thought of a franchise distributor in this case, in the manner in which we're talking, that they're franchised. Uh, and you're making an excellent point. I, I'm surprised in some ways that the industry itself hasn't addressed that directly, but I have always personally questioned it because what is a franchise and I've always thought a franchise like you said with McDonald's Keith if you don't mind I'm going to uh, I'm going to stop us here for just a, a few minutes and we do need to take a quick break uh, identify our sponsors and our and the radio station the Voice America and when we come back I would like you to address if you don't mind what you're talking with significant passion here and I'd like our audience to understand um, what got you involved in this and why you really do sound so passionate about this subject. So if you will stay with us, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes here. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
Secure Components is your international certified supplier of obsolete and hard-to-find products. Specializing in counterfeit mitigation, Secure Components is a qualified supplier for the Department of Defense, Aerospace, Military, and Avionics Industries. If you're a business in need of hard-to-find or obsolete components, please contact us by visiting our website, securecomponents.com, or call us at 484-222-5195. Again, 484-222-5195. Did you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy? From new clothing, cars, toys, power cords, and charging units, to your garden hose and the drywall in your home. Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity, and diabetes, which can be passed down from parents to children? It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products, yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance, believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help. Contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll-free 877-415-0191. BQPM.com. Together, we are working for your safety. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. This is People to People, working for your safety. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to stan.salat at ecccorp.org. Again, that's stan.salat, S-A-L-O-T at ecccorp.org. Now, back to People to People. Welcome back to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Dan Salat, Jr., And I'd like to welcome you back to today's show, The Cost of Counterfeits, $6 billion and counting. And yes, folks, that's $6 billion of our money, you and I. That's our tax dollars we're talking about there. And unfortunately, until we solve this counterfeit component issue and the hazardous substance material management that um, the show's all about here, uh, we're spending that money. I need to uh, like to mention our uh, sponsors: BQPM, uh, Business and Quality Process Management LLC. They're a uh, consulting training company, and they're uh, great folks. Please uh, go visit them at their website: www.bqpm.com. Also, our uh, other sponsor: Secure Components. Secure Components is an independent distributor. First in the world to receive the AS6081 uh, certification for counterfeit mitigation. They specialize in helping companies, helping customers find obsolete and hard to find uh, materials, components, and they particularly work in the military, DOD, DLA, so on and so forth, but they also serve the commercial industry. So if you need have any needs for components and you can't find them, 
as they say, if you can't find them at an authorized uh, distributor or directly from the manufacturer, by all means, give cons- uh, Secure Components a call. I'd like to reintroduce, we were talking with Keith Gregory. He's a lawyer with, uh, I'm going to get this wrong again. It's, it, I'm saying S&W and it's actually Keith, what is it, Snell and William? <laughs> Snell and Wilmer. We've been around Wilmer. 75 years. We were founded in Phoenix. In Phoenix. Okay. Well, the, the, our station is being brought to you by Voice America out of Phoenix, Arizona. So there it's a go. small world. Um, and, and apologize to your partners there, Keith, because I don't know why I'm having such a time with uh, Snell and Wilmer. But I I just want to be the old military days and say S&W. <laughs> That's okay. All right. Um, Keith, when before we went on break, I was suggesting that I would uh, get you to talk about your passion and why it is that you sound so passionate about this subject, um, other than having a friend that was in the distribution business, uh, if you don't mind. Share with sure, us what a, it is. Not a problem, Stan. You know, if you, you know, I've had the pleasure and opportunity over the years to be able to speak a number of times at ERAI executive conferences. ERAI and is a trade association uh, made up of, a, of over 1,000 members worldwide, um, m- made up of people involved in the supply chain of okay. electronic components. And one year uh, they offered a program when people were asked to speak about counterfeit parts mitigation. And, you know, I started thinking about how I was going to do my presentation. And I decided that the way that I would start my presentation was offering three examples of why it's important for us to promote counterfeit parts mitigation. And so the first example that I offered was my cell phone. I held my cell phone in my hand. And I told the audience there that, um, you know, if a counterfeit part entered this cell phone, All right. eventually it would probably start stop working. Now, right. I use my cell phone for business quite a bit, so it might have affected me financially in some, maybe even just some small way, even to the point where all I might have to do is replace it. Or maybe right. I might lose some information on it, but it would still affect me. And then the second example that I offered to them was I disclosed to the people in the audience that I'm diabetic. And I showed them the insulin pump that I wear on a daily basis that helps me maintain my insulin levels and really maintains my health, helps to maintain my health. Because I get insulin from that pump on an hourly and daily basis. And it helps regulate my blood sugars. Right. But if a counterfeit part entered that insulin pump, then it would stop working. And that could affect my health. And I certainly wouldn't want that. Because diabetes can have some really serious consequences if you don't take care of yourself. And then the third example that I gave was I showed them a picture of a young man who was a fighter pilot with his father who happens to be Mark Snyder from ERAI, one of the founders of ERAI. Uh And I was talking about how 
if a counterfeit part entered the jet that that young man flies in, right. that he could die. And that would have a really serious consequence. And so the, the problem with counterfeit parts reaches a broad spectrum. And um, it can affect us economically. It can affect us from a physical health standpoint. And it could even affect us from a safety standpoint. So um, because of that, I feel really passionate about trying to help companies and clients try to promote counterfeit parts mitigation. You're, you know, when I hear things like this and when I see people like you that are dedicating, um, you know, serious effort to it, it just, it just makes me want to continue doing the same thing. Uh, obviously, I'm, I have some of the same feelings about it. As I shared with you, I spent 10 years in the military and at a time when equipment needed to work. And counterfeit at that time, that's far enough back, that counterfeit wasn't the problem that it is today. It was more of a quality issue. But I am reminded time and again that uh, when we listen to our politicians talk about the counterfeit problem, for those that might be aware of it that's been going on in the uh, Armed Forces uh, Service Committee and other places, but you also touched on the medical and I'm quick to uh, remember that it's not just military, but the medical side of this, you bring up a point that, you know, the military uses medical. The military uses automobiles. The military uses computers. The military uses just about everything that we buy and use as a consumer. They just use something in a slightly different configuration or ruggedness. So when we talk about counterfeit, it, it really strikes home that it's far more than just uh, one piece of this puzzle. Well, and that's correct, Stan. I, the, the, one of the things, though, that, that concerns me in trying to deal with this counterfeit problem is that sometimes it seems that people are, are attempting in some ways to extend the definition of counterfeit to things that aren't counterfeit. So back in 2012, when the uh, Section 818 of the National Defense Authorization Act 2012 was passed, um, one of the subcategories of counterfeit parts as defined by that statute included used parts sold as new. Okay. And as far as I'm concerned, I mean, when you look at all the other statutes that have defined counterfeit, either in the penal code or in, you know, in the different sections dealing with copyright and trademark and other forms of intellectual property, right. um, there's never been the, – the definition of counterfeit has never included anything even close to – something being sold as new when it's already been used. When someone, as far as I'm concerned, when someone sells a 
used part and represents it as new, they're committing a fraud. Okay. They're not necessarily selling a counterfeit part. So one of my fears is that people will will start overextending that definition of counterfeit to the point where it will in some ways lose its significance. It, it, it's it, you know you're not really talking apples to apples anymore. You're talking apples to oranges, if you know if you understand my analogy. I, I do understand it, and, and I'm curious because um, I'll have to be honest and say that I I'm one of those people that have taken the word fraudulent out of the language of the standards and out of the language of the regulations and things that are being put in place. And as I understood the language, it's really saying that counterfeit and fraudulent um, are being dealt with in a very similar manner. Anything sold that isn't represented the way it should be represented, and I may not be saying this right, but if I sell it to you and I don't represent it for what it really is, um, the way the way I understand the language, well, they're fraud. saying that's that's counterfeit. Well, no, that's fraud. Now, if you've altered that part and claim it to be something else, physically okay. alter it. Right. Let's say you take a part. You may, may you manufacture a part, right? And you represent it to be a, for example, a Motorola part, and okay. you sell it as a Motorola part. All right. That's a counterfeit part. It's a counterfeit okay. Motorola part. But if you take a Motorola part, an authentic Motorola part, and it's used, but it is a authentic Motorola part. If you were to take it to Motorola, Motorola would say, yeah, this is our part. All right. But you were to sell it as new instead of as used, it's not a counterfeit part. It's just you're you're acting in a fraudulent fashion. Your does conduct it, does, is fraudulent, right? So you, what, what we're what we're saying here then is that the rules in place, or help me understand what we're saying, rather than me trying to interpret something you actually know. <laughs> How again? The, one of the areas that I've spent a lot of time in, and I've spent a lot of time in foreign countries, actually witnessing this firsthand is the disassembly of materials or products and the repackaging of components. And while some of them may never have seen a, a actual sale and become a purchased unit, they're actually never used products, but they're disassembled and the parts are sold as new. And they're actually used because they've been installed, they've been uninstalled, they've been repackaged, and they're being sold now. Right. So do we have any language in our legal system or the military or government systems that are trying to manage this? Because in my opinion, as a component engineer, uh, a used part reinstalled and not sold as used. So I'm actually buying something. Buying something I think is new. What legal action do we have? Well, you have an action to bring an action for fraud or – if it's a if it's a part that's sold 
to the government. Um, you could bring a, a civil action under the False Claims Act, or you could bring a criminal action under the False Statement Act. Well, what um, what the, the government would bring that action? So there, I was just, there are statutes I was just... in place okay. that could uh, punish those people who are selling used parts as new for committing those kind of fraud. That kind of fraud. Okay, at the risk at the risk of upsetting some of the some of the people that have been guests on my show, particularly Bruce Mahone from the G nineteen group, um, are we lacking uh, definition or are we lacking accountability of this in the standards we've created? Or no, is it I don't in think there? so. Uh, no, I don't think so. And okay. I think and I spent quite a bit of time earlier this year on the phone with Bruce and a number of other folks from the G-19 committee because we were tasked with coming up with definitions in, uh, in order to help uh, establish the DFARS for okay. Section 818. And uh, we spent countless hours dealing with that issue. And we made recommendations, and I think the recommendations, I can't quote them verbatim, but I think the recommendations that were made were good recommendations. Okay. And they're, are they in the current release documents, or are they coming out in the next revision? Well, these were, I, yeah. these, these were recommendations that were sent off to uh, the governmental agency that is establishing the DFARS. Okay. This was this was from the G19 committee to that governmental Excellent. agency. Wow. So maybe maybe at this point I'm going to have to say uh you are absolutely required to appear uh, back on this show because I think this one deserves another segment of discussion. That'll be fine. And, and we are uh sorely running out quickly running out of time here. So uh, Keith, I, I want to thank you, um, you know, tremendously for taking the time to be on the show. And I, I honestly and sincerely would like to uh, further this discussion, particularly because, you know, I think our listening audience uh, would benefit from better understanding the differences, uh, a whole segment, if you will, on the differences between fraudulent sales or purchasing processes. Uh, as opposed to the counterfeit side of this. And I absolutely understand what you're saying. I think both of them are significant problems. And they I'm are. Not sure uh, that, uh, and in yeah. fact, Stan, I have to tell you that when, when I first got involved in this industry, that was the biggest problem. The biggest problem was, used was the sale of used parts sold as new. You know, Keith, and and again, I I do appreciate the the time you're taking. I'd like to close on this note, and uh, I think the industry calls it a cliffhanger. I am well aware of several major manufacturers that we know and love here in the United States that are suffering from reduced reliability of their products, and that to me. Uh, doesn't spell counterfeit as you're now describing it and I'm now understanding it. It really describes fraud. 
because what's what we're learning is the parts are failing sooner than they should, which indicates the potential for used parts being re remanu put into new products. Well, or it could or it could just mean that there's a that they're defective parts. That's could all. be. I could mean, they could be. just be defective parts, and then that's a breach of contract claim, right? Or a negligence claim. It sounds like the next time I talk to Keith Gregory, we're going to be talking about the difference between counterfeit, fraud, and poor quality. Sounds that, good to me, Stan. Okay, Keith. Thank you very much, Keith. I really do appreciate it. We're going to take a break here, let the radio station reestablish itself, and we'll be back shortly. Stan, happy holidays to you and all of your listeners. Thank you very much, and the same to you, Keith. Thank you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for the keywords World Talk Radio. Once you're a part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the World Talk Radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for World Talk Radio. Did you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy? From new clothing, cars, toys, power cords, and charging units, to your garden hose and the drywall in your home. Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity, and diabetes, which can be passed down from parents to children? It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products, yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance, believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help. Contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll-free 877-415-0191. BQPM.com. Together, we are working for your safety. Secure Components is your international certified supplier of obsolete and hard-to-find products. Specializing in counterfeit mitigation, Secure Components is a qualified supplier for the Department of Defense, Aerospace, Military, and Avionics Industries. If you're a business in need of hard-to-find or obsolete components, please contact us by visiting our website, securecomponents.com, or call us at 484-222-5195. Again, 484-222-5195. This is People to People, working for your safety. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to stan.salat at ecccorp.org. Again, that's stan.salat, S-A-L-O-T, at ecccorp.org. Now, 
back to People to People. Welcome back to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Stan Salat, Jr. I'd like to welcome you back to today's show, The Cost of Counterfeits, $6 billion and counting. In the first two segments of today's show, Keith and I have been talking and discussing the work being done to eradicate the costly and potentially deadly effects of counterfeit electronic components and parts. And we heard from Keith some of the um, interesting issues resulting from the the government's uh, regulations. He also heard uh, the the reasons that Keith got involved with this. Uh, You know, and as with many of the things that are done in life by people, passion is, is one of those things that drives many of us. Keith's passion is one that's shared, I'm sure, by many, many listeners and a lot of our audience uh, in one way or another. Likewise, uh, while I have a very strong passion in the counterfeit uh, mitigation, counterfeit avoidance, and as I more appropriately understand it now, the fraudulent uh, sale or the sale of fraudulent um, used components – I also have a very strong passion in a project that I've been working on for many years now, which is the restriction of hazardous substances and the management of waste electric electronic equipment. That's the recycling programs. There's also another program that's referred to as REACH, and that is the reporting of electronic uh, chemicals Uh, It's really a reporting system for chemicals used in products. And on this, we're talking about the toxins in everyday parts and products. We're talking about your household items. You've heard me talk in the past about uh, particularly toys, but pretty much anything that you, you encounter today, from your dishes to your forks and knives, your appliances, the household items, your carpets, and so forth. All of these take on a a special effect because we use them every day. We use them in our homes. We buy them. And one of the things that we have been doing now for several years is a program that manufacturers actually use to demonstrate that they are producing hazardous substance-free products. That's a program that restricts the amount of lead, the amount of mercury, the amount of um, hexylvania chromate that's used, uh, the the flame retardants that are used in products as well to uh, keep them from actually flaming, which is PBD and PBDE. So these, these items... Uh, Mercury, I think, was one of the additional ones that I may not have mentioned. These items, manufacturers go through a process of establishing a mitigation program. They demonstrate that they're able to build products without these hazardous substances. They become certified to that compliance, and then they can sell their parts pretty much anywhere in the world. In the European Union, they have to declare that they're making them this way. 
they have to have some records and then they put what's called a CE mark on the product. And that demonstrates to those buying the products in the European Union that they are in fact built to a uh, standard. Around the world, when you look at these hazardous substance-free marks, uh, they're often looked at, uh, referred to as a ROHS, R-O-H-S mark. That mark uh, depicts a compliance to the standard, but there are some 360 different marks used throughout the world. And what we're learning about the marks is that not all of them are equal. Not all of them mean the same thing. If you go on the internet today and talk to, or look at rather, uh, various people that talk about the hazardous substance and the toxins and the toxic chemicals that are used, you'll find a large number of folks who are very dedicated and working very hard to mitigate this. But it's being done in pockets and it's being done worldwide, actually, but throughout the U.S., it's being done by various not-for-profit groups. Uh, they're small and working, uh, really trying to work together for our safety. That's really what people-to-people -people working together for your safety is all about, trying to bring all of this together. The Hazardous Substance Free Mark Alliance is a program that actually does have a single mark, we're working with a uh, little over 4,250 manufacturers that are currently certified to an international standard for demonstrating that they are compliant. And our goal is to actually get all of those manufacturers to list their products on our website so that you can actually go to the website, look up a part, look up a product, look up whatever it is you want to buy and see which manufacturers are actually demonstrating that they're making those products as they should be made. They don't have the lead, the mercury, the cadmium, the hexylvania chromates or the flame retardants that are in fact known to be hazardous to your health. So as we continue moving forward, we're looking very, very much at these manufacturers and just so that you're aware, there's companies like Asus Technologies who makes computer systems. There's actually one of the uh, major Chinese manufacturers, a company called Hire Corporation, H-A-I-E-R. They're a company that also makes uh, products. They make a lot of different products from washers, dryers, clothes washers and dryers, dishwashers, TVs. They make pretty much everything. Uh, in today's world, they're, they are a very major company. They do sell their products here in the U.S. And they are certified under the international program. They have not yet started using the HSF mark. But that's in most part because there is nobody saying we want to see that mark. So our goal, our mission, um, our call to action, if you want to look at it that way, is consumers can, in fact, make a difference. When you go to Walmart, when you go to Kmart, when you go to Sears, you go to Penny's, uh, you name a store. You go downtown to your local toy store. You go to your local hardware store. 
asking for hazardous substance-free marked products, how do you know that what it is that you're buying is actually free from hazardous substances? And without something on it telling you that, you don't know. Without being able to go to a website and look up the particular part using a uh, a barcode or a QR code, you really don't have any way to be sure. I have said many times, and I've said it on the radio, and I've said it in many of the speeches I've given and programs I've addressed, that human beings by nature have a third hand, and that third hand is our mouth. And when we when we have that extra thing, whatever it is, we wind up using our mouth to to hold on to it, whether it's a set of car keys, uh, a pen, a pencil, a uh, pair of glasses, just naming some of the, the more common things. Today I was visiting with a company, and it was interesting. I was talking with a gentleman I've talked with a number of times, and he was commenting his toddler. I apologize, I forget the age, but I think it's less than a year old. He's been noticing after our discussions that every time he turns around, the baby has whatever is there in the baby's mouth. It's a natural thing for a child to do. We all did it as children, and the children that aren't born yet will do it, and we all do it as adults and everything in between. Things go in our mouth, and that's how you start transferring the levels of lead uh, the higher levels of lead or any other toxin. Uh, you also have the issue, obviously, of uh, transferring diseases and colds and viruses and all the other things. But I'm speaking of the stuff that doesn't show up quickly. I'm talking about the things that affect our children and our children's children and our children's children's children. The things that we do to our to ourselves without knowing it and there's no reason for us not to know it. The tools are in place. We have the Internet. It's cost-effective for manufacturers. It's extremely cost-effective for the retail industry uh, for them to be able to tell us what they're actually buying and selling. There's a fair bit of work going on. Most all retailers are working hard for what's called corporate social responsibility. They're talking about green. Unfortunately, when they talk about green, they're actually talking about low power usage or environmentally friendly when it comes to the production process. We're running out of time. I could go on with this forever. Uh, As I said, it's a passion. And it's a passion that wakes me up at night. It's a passion that helps me go to sleep at night when I know something's working. This is Stan Slott. I'm your host of People to People Working Together for Your Safety. I'd like to wish all of you a very pleasant and happy holiday. Uh, We will be on each Tuesday, but if you don't happen to tune in to us uh, this coming Tuesday because you're doing the holiday thing, by all means, come back and see us. Check out our podcast. I'm signing off today and wish you all the very best. Have a wonderful week. Bye now. Thank you for listening. Please join host Stan Salat Jr. for next week's edition of People to People, Working for Your Safety. 
We'll have another show next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a safe, toxic, and counterfeit-free week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.